subject for the evening talk is life without goals. It doesn't take a great deal of intelligence to see that the world has considerable number of ideologues and that there's a conflict which is going on in all areas and amongst a whole variety of groups of people who very much identify and adhere to a particular ideology. And we see that these various ideologies cause a tremendous degree of suffering, conflict, injustice. And one of the particularly sad things about this the ideology, and whether it's the ideologies or the religious ideologies or the political ideologies, that whenever the voice of reason and concern is expressed, it's somehow or other immediately clamped down upon and stifled out. And I've noticed, as one of those people who um, concern like ourselves about the, the world that we live in, that from the sources of power and influence, there seems to be increasing degrees of sophistic sophistication through the media and through technology and other forms, which are able to render almost ineffective the voice of concern, the voice which pleads and works for, for fairness and equality and justice. And one notices this again and again. And so despite in our society paying lip service to democracy, to me there isn't any real democracy because of the, the very format and the structure of things is such that the movements which are concerned for change, outer change, are quickly dismissed. And there was a very classic example I felt of this. You may have heard of in England in uh, recent years of the women who, with tremendous uh, courage and dignity and endurance, spent uh, periods of time um, outside the gates of uh, a USAF uh, air base in, uh, called Greenham Common. And women, some of those women who I know and are friends of mine, truly represent um, a broad spectrum of women from all sorts of backgrounds and, and ages and interests and focuses. Uh, who all expressed a concern about what was taking place, about the, the imposition of these uh, cruise missiles. And gradually, through constant undermining and constant putting down, that this voy these voices, and a growing number of voices, gradually became isolated from the main stream of so-called right thinking or, or whatever. And till in the eyes of the public, 
they became conceived of as, oh, that bunch of militant lesbians. You know, in, in, in other words, a tone and attitude of mind which sought to um, undis- undermine and dismiss in the most crude and unfair way as possible those voices of protest. And this happens again and again and again. And so there is this, there is the power and the influence of one form of a ideology and this ideology is sustained and with it wherever we express our concern about it one is liable to find oneself somewhat alienated and we may say you and I may we may say in this um, climate uh, oppressive climate in which we live I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want to contribute to the ideologies of the, of the right, the extreme right, the moderate right, the left, the centre, the extreme left, or whatever. But sometimes it's necessary, and this is where the theme of goals come in. Sometimes it's necessary in life, spiritually, and as I mentioned last night, spiritual life cannot be divorced from other arenas of life, to look at some of the underlying elements, the underlying factors which contribute in a way which perhaps we're not deeply enough aware of to reinforcing that way of living, to actually unconsciously reinforcing those ideologies. And, and that means, it seems to me, that two areas particularly which is important to look at. One is the personal area, of course, and the other is in our relationship to the other areas of life. And one of the things which concerns me, and it concerns me a great deal, and so I find myself uh, willy-nilly uh, talking about it rather a lot, um, is that spiritual practices and these kind of practices which we are engaged in can in a rather unfortunate and sad way contribute to the ideologies themselves contribute to the ideology so familiar to the thinking of you're in this world all that matters is yourself go out and get what you want whatever it might be, and, and in some way contribute to this um, area of, or way of looking at life from a standpoint purely of self-interest. In spiritual practice, and especially, uh, and particularly I would say, uh, Buddhism has as its uh, major responsibility the challenging of that. And I rather appreciate what one of the bhikkhus, that is, what one of the monks said in, uh, in Thailand on a BBC documentary. He said that Buddhism, I'm not talking about the ism aspect, I'm talking about the spiritual practice, that Buddhism and capitalism, the society in which we live, are completely incompatible. They cannot work 
and co coexist together. Because in our normal society, it is so, so selfishly, selfishly orientated. It's what I want and moving towards my particular goals. And the heart of spiritual practice is to question the whole concept of self which is doing all of this. Something which is so taken for granted and which one I base my actions on an assumption of solidity of self, substance of self in spiritual life is questioned deeply so that that very deeply rooted idea is actually undermined, seen through. So the two don't coexist. And what one sees with the, the, the ideologies and all and the, 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 the spectrum of that, that the message which keeps going out is for us to be more desirous in order that we will do more, in order that we will produce more, and therefore make more and be better off. And it says it were, what are the, the common factors which connect? And so it's generally regarded in the uh, world and in our society that you are only useful, you only serve any real purpose in life if you are productive. If you are setting yourself up with particular goals and you are achieving those goals and in the process of doing that you are successful because you've achieved your own aims in life. And this message goes out to us, whether we like it or whether we don't, morning, noon and night. It starts from childhood. It starts with our parents, with their great expectations on us. And therefore, in the eyes frequently of our parents, we ought to be going after something to achieve certain goals. And there are certain professions which are very acceptable to our parents. And being a lawyer, and being a doctor, and so forth. And of course one might say, now I hear or read in the, in the papers now in England, that the doctors seem to be very compassionate and doing all sorts of things, which are called, supposed to be errors of judgment, which seem to be making a great contribution to supporting lawyers. If you <laughs> <laughs> this is called interconnectedness in a bizarre way. <laughs> <laughs> and so... There has been this emphasis for us through our childhood and, and through the processes of uh, education. And so that goals and personal goals in life have become for us, with great frequency, the whole reason for one's existence. The whole foundation of one's existence is bound up with the idea I must achieve what I want in life 
in order to validate my existence. Well, we look at the results. We've been, it's been going on for centuries. It's had a tremendous emphasis in the industrial society. It's been pumped home to us morning, noon and night and the means for pumping it home is becoming increasingly more sophisticated. And people measure themselves through their comparisons with each other and through whether one is really moving up the ladder in some form or other. And that's common wherever one is in this world. And that's noticeably common and, fr and frequent in, uh, in our society. And you may not have here in America, although you, well, I would say you have, but the kind of social problems that we have in, in England, in, in on the continent, where at the present, present time, 35% of, of people under the age of 24 are unemployed. And that number grows and grows and grows. And people are being fired day in, day out, left, right and centre, because they are un unable to fit in with the system in some way or other. And so the unemployment level in Europe is like, whatever it is, something like 30 million people. And it grows each year. And with, with all of that, it means that countless numbers of people, young and middle-aged and elderly, feel to be on the scrap heap, having no real use and no, no real purpose because the society has trained the mind towards success and career and goal and the society can't provide one. And we see that where often where there has been a substantial increase in employment and so forth, as in America, frequently it's through the expansion of the military. So all, all of this is the social and outer dimension, I would say, of something which you and I have to look at at the personal level. And at the personal level, it's looking at a certain process which goes on inside of us and is in some way a reflection and a manifestation of what we might see outside which we feel distasteful. And that process, we might put it into a simple category of desire, action and goal or fruit. And the mechanism and the and the way that we live in that pattern. Just recently, I was um, um, in February, I went to Sri Lanka and I was there on behalf of uh, a group called the Buddhist Peace Fellowship. And the 
Buddhist Peace Fellowship is exploring ways and means to integrate these practices into different realities, different social situations. And, and while there, and I think it's a reflection of many things in life, one can have certain hopes and expectations um, of what might or might not be achieved, what might or might not be useful, and one sees that in a way that doesn't really contribute to the situation. It places expectations and demands on oneself, it places it on others, and one has to approach the relationship to life and to actualities somewhat differently. And I found it in my time there in meeting and connecting with people and uh, speaking on the themes of non-violence and communication, that setting up goals seemed totally ineffective, totally disconnected from the actualities and the realities of the here and now. And I would say, in this, just in the sa same way that we ourselves, in our ordinary and everyday life situation, we need to stop and to need to ask, what are the goals that I have set up? What am I setting myself up for? And to be quite clear about what they are. How much value, emotional, intellectual value and investment and identification do I actually have with these goals? How much do they mean to me? How much is my well-being and my joy and contentment dependent on these goals being achieved? And th 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 those kind of questions means that there's a twofold aspect, and in one of the um, discussion uh, groups, small group meetings today, we were touching on this a little bit. And in the twofold aspect to that, one is the process and the identification with the goal. One just has to ask, you just have to ask yourself, and I have to ask, ask myself. When we are bound up in investment with the goals, the sense of our self-worth and our self-validity is wrapped up with the result. And if we succeed, there is affirmation and uh, confirmation of our self, of our ego structure, and if we fail, there's reaction. There is a negativity. There is, which is the most pervasive problem that I know of in the West, there is this undermining and dismissing and the putting down of oneself. And we find easily and frequently living this way drive of the mind, finding some um, action to, and means to meet with this drive in order that some 
Success will come so that we can believe in ourselves. And I would say that is an ideology. I would say that's a belief system about a, a way of living. I would say that unless we explore this in our life seriously and we go, go into it, we are just contributing to what we see in this world. And it's, it's very difficult to actually, for us to stop and actually challenge and, and ask ourselves, can I learn to look at life and not have goals and particular goals as my emphasis? Not give that the value that I've been giving it for so long, for so many years. And when you and I begin to stop and to challenge that, then there can be the beginnings of another relationship. I was in Spain some uh, years ago, and uh, the conversation which continues to uh, to stick in stick in my mind, and I think a very um, valuable one. After the retreat, several of us were invited out to have uh, um, dinner, and it was in a restaurant. On and I think part of the reason I can remember this was because uh, the restaurant was uh, upstairs, and as we went upstairs in this uh, restaurant, the, the walls were filled with these monstrous bullfighting pictures, plastered everywhere. And when I went in, of course, I um, asked for my vegetarian and uh, uh, sat, sat down and got into a conversation there with a, a Spanish uh, businessman who, by um, normal Western standards, would be considered extremely successful. He told me that he had a, a large business in Madrid, um, uh, an apartment there, he had a, a house on one, on one of the islands, he owned uh, a yacht which he travelled around the Mediterranean, and he um, gave me um, a ride back with my uh, uh, friends to the place that we were staying. And those of you who have ever been to Madrid, um, unlike uh, here, though things are improving in the States at long last, um, the cars there are extremely small. <laughs> and um, he had, and it's not a word of a lie, um, the biggest car in Madrid. <laughs> in <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, and as we drove through the, the city that uh, late that evening, you know, I felt just as conspicuous <laughs> as I did when I used to wear red curtains and have a shaved head. <laughs> <laughs> and we... So in the course of this uh, um, con convers conversation, he said, um, he said, society is based on a simple ethic. 
and everybody is expected to adhere to this ethic. And that ethic is that you are only useful if you are producing and consuming. And everything centers around this. No matter which society, Western society, this, this is the one which uh, everything is based, the principle of it. And if you're not into producing more and consuming more, then you are a threat to the very principle and foundation of the society. I said, wonderful, delighted. <laughs> and so those people who find and, and exploring ways to live differently and don't have that as a goal are not in the mainstream of living according to what's being dictated. But even in not being in that mainstream of, of that dictatorial living, still goals keep arising because the mind is so conditioned that way. And when we begin to question that, and we begin to have doubts, and we begin to let go of that, it can be quite fearful. So where does that one move on? This is the way our mind is fixed. Not to be fixed in that way means that fear arises. And, and one wonders, is it that that process of desire, action and goal and success has as its underlying foundation this fear. It's this fear which is really motivating to live in this way. And along the way, of course, for all of us in life is D-E-A-T-H, death, which is so troublesome because it's going to stop one fulfilling all of these desires and getting all the goals. It's going to come along and interrupt. It's such a damn nuisance. <laughs> and so working on oneself and looking at oneself is to ask and to question, is there in life that which is more significant than any goal you may achieve? And any goal, anything which is an expression some way or other of personal achievement, personal success. And perhaps in that, that's where for us there's a certain letting go and standing back and just beginning to review the situation of our life all over again and to view life not so much from a standpoint of I, me and mine but from a more ex expansive kind of view. So that this conditioning of mind gets these goals and the obsessions about success really into perspective.
One of the things, if I may say, which is happening in England in this regard is quite a change taking place and uh, I'm quite delighted to, uh, to see, see this. With the increasing number of people and, uh, and young people for whom the society has no place and therefore are supported through the social security and um, basically in England, as you probably know, this um, doesn't come through any work at all. This comes through the North Sea oil and approximately um, three barrels of North Sea oil pay a person's dole each week. It's quite a good arrangement. <laughs> and when there are societies like in England which ca you know, can't or don't want to be competitive, um, uh, usually through lack of imagination. Um, and with this increasing number of people who are actively uh, out of work, there was a period of time, and I've noticed this in the nine years that I, since I've been back in the, there, that people who were out of work felt the highest priority for them was to get back into work and to get a job and to get back onto the grindstone, you know, onto the rat race and, and so forth. And that view is changing. And one of the newspapers, the, uh, uh, the Guardian, is a kind of, I won't say anything about it, um, calls these people, new, the new people, why they call them new people? <laughs> but, it, you know, it's, it's, it's as daft a concept as a new age. And basically what is happening is that people, in this case uh, young people, are realizing that the society, through the process of parents' education and work and success, can't give them that anymore. It just simply isn't available. So instead of, as it were, feeling, as many still do, of course, moping and depressed and unhappy and and hanging out and, and so forth, the attitude of mind is beginning to change quite considerably. And so the dole money is being regarded as a kind of government grant to do things, do things which one appreciates to do and uh, enjoys to do, and, and just things which are not so much money-orientated, but express other areas of life and interest. And there's an actual change taking place, not a change which has been, as initially come out of awareness and self-knowledge, but more it's a change which has come from the outside, imposed upon, and that itself is bringing about a change within. And, it, and it's that looking and changing one's view and perceptions and therefore one's fundamental values is what, are this, uh, is what life without goals begins to mean. And, and in a way I feel it's quite necessary for us, for all of us, to have faith in that. And so, therefore, moving up the ladder socially and getting good grades and 
and being affirmed through success really is all rather empty. It doesn't say anything about life. It just says one can do something and one has got something and one has got a few letters after one's name or before one's name. Well, we've all got letters through our name in... in <laughs> And, and, and it's all part of the mythology and the mumbo-jumbo which, which you know, groups people. And we want to be grouped and categorised and, and be somebody. And it doesn't mean anything. And if we can see through all those social fictions as useless and, and, and worthless, and if we see through... It doesn't leave one as a human being in a state of apathy and indifference and feelings of pointlessness and so forth. That's a reaction to all of that. That isn't, that isn't seeing. That's just, just being bound up with it in a reactive way. But seeing through all of that means that the energies, the mental, the spiritual, the emotional, physical energies are not diffused and deflated, but the energies are there and those energies flow, but they don't flow in that goal-orientated way. And thus make space within for a, a, a rhythm and a dynamic in life which is truly alive and joyful. And is not at all bound up with the the self-image idea and trying to affirm it and feeling dreadful when one can't. So this seeing, which isn't easy and which not only questions the goals and the actions for the goals and the desire which supports that, but the underlying factor of the fear which contributes to all of the maintaining of it. And if we can work with that, then possibly for us as human beings, there can come a more intelligent way of living, a more balanced way, in which ambition and competitiveness is seen to be ugly, ugly, completely alien to a sensitive person. And to have, to sustain that awareness, to have faith in living a life with quality to it and living life from day to day and living life with care and sensitivity, all, all of that can contribute in a real way to changing the basics of the society not just the outer levels of it, but right from deep in our own psyche. Because the other way isn't working. The earth is being consumed. It's being eaten up. And human beings with it. 
And so th there's that the totality, I would say, of that aspect to it. But it's not a kind of work and relationship to life which can be done just alone. And that's where there's a necessity and a need for connection and cooperation and integration with others. Integration with others who are willing to probe more deeply into life so that inner change and outer change, the superficial and the deep, that change is all being explored. The, and the magnetism which can come out of, out of that is through the change and the releasing and the unfolding of the energies in which people stop and look and say, Christ, my way of living is madness. Living compelled with desire and competitiveness and, and, and goals and successful, whatever form that is, that's neurotic. That's the only word to describe it. It's a neurotic way of living. And so this looking to see that in our own vitality and joy and, and sensitivity. And so just as in the Dharmapada two and a half thousand years ago, someone came to the uh, people of practice at that time and they were asked um, through the Buddha, why do you lead this way of life? And the response was, because it's such a joyful way of living. And, and in the last analysis, awareness, sensitivity, and joy, contentment and happiness, is the real indicator of a person's understanding in life. So let's in our time and in our time here and in our daily life situation, let's ensure that we are able to stop, able to see if we're getting caught up, able to see if there's increasing infatuation with some new goal, able to ask ourselves, is that just, is that all that there is? Is that just it? Or is it that preoccupation is blinding me to something else which words can't touch upon? May all beings see into themselves. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings live with joy.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.